Pastor Ed Taylor has a challenge for you today. Write down during your day whether what you're doing at the moment is of eternal value or of no value. Or if you've taken something that's very common and normal and you've turned it around for eternal value. And, and notice what the list looks like. Notice how easily persuaded we are to spend our life on things that are not eternal instead of investing our life in that which will last long beyond us. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Maybe you've noticed the church has problems and difficulties to deal with. Do you ever wonder why that is? Maybe someone mistreats you in the church and you're left hurt and confused. We'll gain some biblical perspective on it all today on Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor opens 1 Corinthians 4. His message today is called Serving as an Under Rower. Well, if you have read ahead in 1 Corinthians, you recognize that it's not an easy letter to read. It's not an easy letter to read as a believer, understanding that churches go through stuff, that churches can get off track, that churches need to be corrected, churches need to be rebuked, believers need to be dealt with spiritually. And the book of 1 Corinthians is definitely not an easy read. Tough spiritual times had come to the church. Things were not as they should have been. They didn't hit the ideal of God. They weren't where they really needed to be. And faithful to the calling that Paul had, he took his pen in hand and said, hey, look, this isn't right. Now, I know we don't always like somebody looking at us and just saying, hey, look, this isn't right, but somebody has to. You need to let somebody do it in your life. It's a pastor, it's a friend, it's a spouse. You can't live life, I can't live life just thinking I'm right all the time. Because the reality is, is I'm not right all the time and neither are you. And God has people in your life that he's ordained to look you in the eye in love and, and maybe even if it's delivered in the wrong way. You know, a lot of times we'll just ignore the message because somebody was like all messed up over it. You know, they're just all mean and mean-spirited and, and we'll forget the message because the messenger was all messed up. But... We need to be careful and receive the message. And there might even be some ministry gets turned around to minister to the messenger. But if you're the kind of person that you're just known as, and, and, and it's something you're going to have to take to the Lord, but if you're just known as a know-it-all, or nobody can tell you anything, or you're, you're really not living the life that Jesus desires. You, really, you could grow so much more if you would just open up to correction. You would just open up to let someone speak into your life in a way that, well, maybe it's painful. Maybe you don't want to hear it. Maybe you've been dealing with it for years and, and the Lord's been sending messenger after messenger, but you're so comfortable in this life and you're so comfortable really with the flesh that you need to let a guy like Paul come into your life and just tell you like it is. 
Because that's what the church in Corinth's doing. They, they had to take this letter. And, and can you imagine being in the church in Corinth? They go, oh, hey, check it out. We just got a, a letter from Paul. We, we just got bring it out. And they start to open it. And they're like, oh, what's going on in the church? How can you guys do this? And how easy it would have been. Because these letters, they weren't passed off like we have Bibles today. They were read congregationally. And the pastor would stand up and begin to read to the church. And then I'm sure they slowed down a little bit and perhaps even paused at one of the areas to start some ministry. Hey, Paul has called us out and he already used names. And so people are already being identified. And, and we'll learn the guy that's caught up in sexual sin. The church knew it because they were glorying in it. And, and they still, they received it. We know they received it because Second Corinthians was written. And things changed by the time we got to 2 Corinthians. They listened, they heeded, and that could be the testimony of your life. Things can change. They don't have to keep going the same way all the time. You are not tethered to your past. You're not stuck in the past. You're not, you're not unchangeable by the power of the Holy Spirit. Even if the world might say, you will be this way the rest of your life. Not so if you're born again. Because if you're born again, you know what that means? It means you're born again. You have new life. There's a newness in your life. You might have some things to unlearn. You might have some things that you have to forsake. You might need to change some behaviors. There's a lot of ingredients to a changed life, but God is working on the inside of you as a believer to change you, to work from the inside out, to not change your personality. You are who you are, but your personality can be tempered by the Holy Spirit to be a blessing who you are <laughs> to have you know just be blessed you know to, to to be a blessing around those in your life to receive correction you you, you could be living the same way for years and you've got an axe to grind and somebody comes alongside and says takes that axe and tries to take it out of your hands and say that's not the way to know i'm going to grind this axe to the very end well then you're just going to have to answer to the lord for that because God sent messenger after messenger to you. And you always know that the Lord's speaking. You know, sometimes you ask, how do I know the Lord's speaking? Well, let me give you one way where you always know the Lord's speaking. That is when, this, when different people keep telling you the same thing. Where you just keep hearing it over and over. And you run over here. What do you think? Well, I think, da, da, uh, man, what do you think over here? Well, I think, da, and you're like, man. And you, you, you turn on the radio. I'm going to listen to the radio. And then just some weird talk radio station, there's a commercial on about dealing with what you're dealing with. And you're like, man, well, how can I get away? How can I get away from the Lord? And the psalmist would say, I can't flee from the Spirit. Where am I going to go? The Holy Spirit wants to change us. And that's where it is with the church in Corinth that we might be changed. Because if a church that's all messed up and in the flesh doesn't change, then we lose the opportunity as a church, whether it's our local congregation or the church at large, we lose an opportunity to really be an environment and an atmosphere for God to use to bring people to himself. And so churches do get messed up, and families do get messed up, and relationships do get messed up, and we we can't be surprised by that. But the question is always, why? I lived in a messed up world. I lived in a messed up family. I would think if there's anywhere on the planet Earth that wouldn't be messed up, it it would be the church. Believers in Jesus Christ. Because it really hurts a lot when you get burned, doesn't it? You ever get burned? Yes, no? Sure. And it really hurts, doesn't it? You're like, meh. I didn't like that. How about getting burned by a Christian? Oh, yeah. It hurts even more. 
Because not only do you have the initial pain of the whole situation, but then you, you have to drop that final thing, right? But you said you were a Christian. And if you're not careful, it'll stumble you because Christians will burn you on purpose, on accident. Things happen in the church. We're still human. And that's one of the reasons. You're taking notes why problems enter the church. Number one, the church is filled with human beings. It's not filled with aliens. Although you look around, you might wonder, hey, no, it's humans. And because we're human, by definition, we're imperfect. And whenever you gather gather a group of people with imperfections, they're going to cause great pain. And when there's friction and there's rubbing elbows, rubbing lives together, there's going to be friction, there's going to be pain. You can't avoid that. Some people try to avoid it, so they skip out on church, they skip out on fellowship, they skip out on relationships, they isolate themselves, but then the Bible says that's just foolish. Because you're still isolating yourself and you're still stuck with someone that you're not going to be happy with all the time. You know who that is? Yourself. Because you're human. Just keep that in mind as you are in and out of congregations, even coming in and out by symbolically of the doors of this building that represents the place of gathering for us, or you just pulling up on the parking lot. Understand that humans are imperfect. And, and there could be a few people among us, I hope there are, that aren't saved at all. And certainly there's not going to be a connection with a believer and an unbeliever right away. And some of them, some unbelievers, like me, walking into a church were really messed up. And some of the friction that I might have caused, if I had more time, the Lord seemed to save me really quick, but if I had more time, could have caused great damage to people that I didn't even know. So humans are in the church. Number two, there are problems in churches because, number two, wolves are in the church. Or at least they try to come into the church, and they love to eat sheep. It's the best diet for a spiritual wolf is to take out a nice, healthy sheep. One that's been feeding on the word and living for the things of God and and wolves. That's why Jesus said, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. And even though our desire is to worship the one true king, sometimes false believers and false teachers enter a church like ours with false motives and hidden agendas, and they hurt people. And hopefully the leadership, we can catch them fast enough to to bring them out. And as we're walking them outside the door, hopefully the wolf becomes a sheep himself. But I'll tell you, we we won't tolerate that kind of stuff. But wolves taking advantage of the sheep here is just not the way it is. That's why there are shepherds among the sheep to take care of the flock. But that's just the way it is. You just have to know. I mean, people are going to... I don't know what it is about our attitude because, like, like somebody will have a bad experience in the church and we'll get hurt and, and then we'll bail and we'll leave. I'm never going back there. But, but something, like, totally worse happened to you at King Supers, but you're, like, there the next day. <laughs> I got to get some milk, you know? And, and I don't care. You know, they, they shortchanged me. They took my parking space. They ran the cart into me. But, hey, I got to get some milk. Because there's this disconnect that we treat like the church of Jesus Christ. We treat it differently with different expectations. And not all of them are wrong, but you don't use the same logic. Some people don't use the same logic when it comes to churches and to believers or to home fellowships. Because when you get involved in a smaller group, a home fellowship, a men's ministry, women's ministry, those smaller groups, then you, get, you start to learn a little bit more about people. You start to open up. And a lot of pain can happen in a home fellowship, but the last thing you want to do is run away. 
You know, you want to be a part of a growing body and work through the things that are going on and always keep your eyes open for wolves. And, and maybe a word to those that are listening in, make sure you're not a wolf. Because we know we'll know you by your fruit. We'll know it. You may not think, you may think you're covering up really good. You've got sheep's clothing on and nobody, but your fangs are like so obvious. And you might have a soft out exterior, but you're, the, the fruit that we see in wolves, you can always tell a wolf by the people that has been in their path. And you start to hear, hey, Pastor Ed, did you hear about so-and-so? You know, they got eaten up. Well, who? Well, so-and-so. And you go, whoa. And then another one, another one, another one. I think we got a problem with this person. And hopefully you can come alongside and clear it up. But if not, the shepherd, the shepherd will always choose the sheep. They won't take the wolf and put a leash on it and make it a pet. We'll deal with the wolf. Biblically and spiritually and firmly for the sake of the sheep. And you're praying about spiritual leadership, which is part of the topic here. Getting involved in ministry. You've got to love the sheep. But sheep bite. They do. You do. I do. But it's all a part of growing up together. And I'll tell you, as bad as things might be in any church, and don't misunderstand the topic of our Bible study. I'm not sharing all this because our church is all jacked up and messed up and I'm like trying to correct it. It's just where we are in the scripture. So any church I've been a part of, any congregation I've been able to be in, I would much rather grow up in the church than somewhere else with the guys you know we used to run with and party with. And I'd much rather grow up with the things that I'm learning among the believers because God is in the middle. You've grown up with all those things going on outside apart from the Lord. God's not in the middle. He's not orchestrating it. The Bible actually says that there is a demonic world that apart from God, the devil is called the God of this age. And it doesn't matter how many good times you think you're having. You're not ha- it's not good times. You're just being ripped off. And so in the church, there's wolves, and they love to devour. There's another thing that that happens in the church, why there's difficulties. Number three is that in a church, unlike the world, in a church for believers, there is intense spiritual warfare. It's the difference between those of you that are in the military, not in the military. And we've got a young man that's going to be heading out. He's going to be heading out, and he's going to be right in the middle, joining other people from our church in the midst of intense warfare. He's been trained. He's been prepared. He's a part of a team, but he's going to be in the midst of warfare. And we pray that God would protect him and guard him and bring him back. But somebody that's not in the military isn't going to get involved in that kind of warfare. It's, they're not going to be anywhere near it. Same with a believer and unbeliever. An unbeliever, there's not a lot of warfare going on. They're, they're engaged in it. They're just like living. There's no battle for righteousness, no battle for goodness. There's no, because it's just a life. I'm just living life. I don't really care. I don't need God. I don't care. I can just live a good life and, and I don't need to answer. Okay, so there's not going to be a lot of warfare. But for those that have said, I believe in Jesus Christ, immediately, immediately there's battle. And oftentimes there's spiritual battle right up to that point of belief because you're getting so close and, and, and you're right there ready to believe. And then, and then boom, once you do, boom. You immediately, I mean, there's a hymn that we sing, Onward Christian Soldiers. You become a battlefield, you become a Christian soldier on the battlefield. 
And so there's going to be problems because we're all battling and fighting. And what makes the church different from some social club or some gathering is that we are literally engaged in the worship of the one true God. As we were singing, as we were gathering, as our kiddos are down, worshiping Jesus, learning about Jesus. What makes us different from a social club is that literally people's lives are being changed eternally. Right before our very eyes. Piece by piece, day by day, some faster, some slower, some battling and falling back and getting up. And, but lives are being changed. Testimonies are being written. Why? Because God is at work here among us. Because God loves to change lives. He loves to take people and flip their life around. A social club's not interested in eternal life. They might be interested in doing good and good deeds and, and, and being able to help people on a practical level. But the church goes one step further and says, first, we'll help you on a spiritual level. And if we do help you on a practical level, there's only one motive, to display the love of God. You know that through that offering... It's to bring a person to understand that it wasn't my great deeds that did this. Because apart from God, I would have no great deeds. It's simply because of my relationship with Jesus. Here, here, here's a cup of cold water. How? In Jesus' name. Drink it up because Jesus blessed you. Here, we're showing up to the hospital bed. How? In Jesus' name. Why? Because if Jesus was here on the earth today, he'd be at your, host- he'd be at your bedside. Because he'd love to minister to the sick. You head into a prison, and you go through all the things, your background checks, you go all through the things, you go through all the different doors, you finally have an opportunity to visit one of those men or women in prison. Why and how? In Jesus' name. Because as you visit them, you're doing it unto the Lord for the purpose of comforting, encouraging, and bringing someone to the knowledge of Jesus. And so, when you're reading the letter to the church in Corinth, just realize that Churches are filled with all sorts of things. And it doesn't mean that Jesus isn't right. It doesn't mean that Jesus isn't perfect. It doesn't mean that what Jesus said isn't true. It just means there's a lot of things going on in the human realm that can easily cloud our vision of who Jesus really is. And it happens in our church. It happens in every church. It happens in every home. All of these crazy things happening. Why? Well, because there's a serious spiritual battle just like there was in the church in Corinth. And right after reminding the believers here in chapter 4 of the only true foundation, Jesus Christ, and how to build on that foundation that will lat with materials and with, with your life and with your effort and with your skills and with your talents and with your life, as you build on the foundation of Jesus Christ with your life, you want to do it that, with things in a direction that's eternal. If we, you know, sometimes when you're going through financial things, one of the things in a financial class, like you're struggling financially, one of the things they'll teach you is to take a piece of paper and to write down every expenditure. doesn't even matter if it's a penny. Just write it down so you know where all your money's going. That's where it starts. You just know where all your money's going, and they'll have you, and you, you look at it, and you go, oh, my goodness, I didn't know I was spending all this money here, here, here. That's just right there. That's enough for what I needed. I can pay off my debt. I can, and that's one of the first little things that will help you get on track financially. But try it spiritually, and just, just go ahead and write down. Write down during your day whether what you're doing at the moment is of eternal value or of no value. Or if you've taken something that's very common and normal and you've turned it around for eternal value. And, and notice what the list looks like. Notice how easily 
persuaded we are to spend our life on things that are not eternal instead of investing our life in that which will last long beyond us. I think you'd be surprised. And Paul, he'll turn his attention now. He's had a couple chapters of difficult things to say, but now he's going to turn his attention back on himself. And he says in verse 1 of chapter 4, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Lest they think he's giving, being heavy-handed or trying to be better than them. Or, he says, just consider. You want to have a consideration toward me and my role as an apostle, my role of leadership, then consider it this way. We're just servants and stewards. You can circle that word servant because in the original language, it, it has a deep meaning. It referred to the under rower. You might have heard that phrase before. I have it written down right here in my Bible, under rower. Just to remind myself, it literally means a servant. An attendant. The picture is that of the lowest slave on a ship down in the galley, on the lowest deck of the ship, who simply rode. The whole progress and movement of that ship was because of this servant, this under rower. And all he did was row to the beat of the drum. Nobody knew about him, nobody knew his name. Nobody went down to appreciate him. Nobody he just that's all he did. That was his role. And he did it because he had to. He was the unseen servant down in the galley where the people who worked the hardest were laboring faithfully, out of sight, out of mind. They had no choice. But as that word refers to you and I, it has even deeper meaning because you and I, as we become, we choose to be an underroar, then we do it not because we have to, but we do it because we want to. And that's a big difference. Thanks for listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Remember, you can hear these studies from 1 Corinthians online at calvaryco.church. Pastor Ed, as you were describing the under rower, one who might not be appreciated or be known, but an unseen servant, a question comes to mind. Now, as you know, discouragement can easily set in as we're serving. Maybe someone feels unappreciated and wants to quit. So what can keep us going when the going gets tough, so to speak? Wow, Larry, that's a big question. That could be our whole episode in and of itself. But I can say this. Let me first say to the person that feels like quitting, um, that's a normal feeling. And I'm sorry that serving Jesus has brought you to the point where uh, you're thinking about quitting. But at the same time, I tell you that it's always too soon to quit. And as hard and as difficult it is right now, as it is right now, uh, you're going to get through this one. And you're going to get through this one to another difficulty and to another, because serving Jesus is hard. Uh, We're not always appreciated. And we've been conditioned, I think, to thrive on appreciation or to thrive on recognition. But anyone that serves Jesus recognizes that uh, sometimes neither appreciation nor recognition comes. So we want to be careful to remember that whatever we're doing, we're doing unto the Lord. And yes, on occasion, and sometimes on more than one occasion, appreciation comes, a a blessing comes, a thank you comes, a gift comes. That's fantastic. But you know, our service is unto the Lord. And, And He, the Bible says, when we do our charitable deed in secret, our Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And may you be encouraged Um, It it can get hard and it can get tiring. And I can only think 
of the difficulty of the underroar who would row on the cadence of the drumbeat and yet never be seen, but everyone's enjoying the progress of the ship. And you know, the cadence of the drumbeat for us is the moving and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we row to the left and we row to the right and we row to the left until Jesus returns for us. And we know that the cadence of the Holy Spirit is going to lead us into fruitful areas. And just know whatever you're doing is not wasted by the Lord. He uses it all for His glory and our good. So stay strong. It's always too soon to quit. Amen. It's always too soon to quit. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of A.W. Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God. While many believers have settled for mediocrity or are living much like the world, that doesn't have to be your life story. You can experience a close and intimate relationship with God. Allow Tozer to point the way as you read The Pursuit of God. We appreciate the generosity of our listeners. It helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. We're constantly hearing from listeners that have been helped and are growing by God's abounding grace. Thank you for standing with us. Call 877-30-GRACE or visit calvaryco.church. And then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the Word of God. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.